Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CVCS podcast. I am Mr. Jasper, and I am finishing today a introductory series where I have been talking to various school leaders about the podcast network and what it means for our school and how it's going to affect our school, we hope, in the future. So far, I've talked to our head of schools, Marcus Choi. I've spoken with elementary principal, Miss Marnie Day, and I've spoken to junior high principal, Ryan Klostra. Today, finally, I am with the high school principal, Mr. James Walker. So, Mr. Walker, thank you for joining us today. Yes, finally. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to be on the CVCS Podcast Network for this the first is, time. I was going to say, this is your first time in the studio. That's right. Not, not in the studio, but recording and on a microphone in the studio. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have been here before. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, Mr. Walker, let's get started. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself, including how you got into education and how you came to CVCS? Yeah, well, first, I'll kind of go in interesting storytelling style and kind of a backwards thing by thanking you for the work that you've done on the podcast network. Yeah, thank Um, you. This has been a dream of mine and probably a dream of ours. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I, Mr. Jasper and I, worked together at Whittier Christian for several years like and six at least I yeah think, and there like was that. there was a lot of dreaming in those mm-hmm. in those conversations that we were having and I know for a fact that we talked about like what if we had a podcast studio yes. on our campus and we started dreaming about that that's right and it's pretty surreal to be here and I know you've put a lot of work into this and an, an idea that was birthed probably six years ago yeah. um, is here and it's a reality so that's super cool it's awesome um, and that's a little bit of how I got to, to CVCS is, is kind of planted there. But I'll tell a little bit more context is I grew up in Christian education, K through 12, all the way through, actually pre-K through 12. Uh, and I'm from a family of all educators. Like I kid you not, my uh, dad was a teacher. My mom was a librarian in a school. Uh, I have eight aunts and uncles. They're all like, wow. not all of them, but like six of them are sure. teachers. Um, my sister became a teacher. I never wanted to be a teacher. And my college journey was a little bit messy. I was one school K through 12, and then I went to four different colleges because I went to the <laughs> University of Washington simply to play football. My goal was to play Division One football. I got there and loved it, realized I wasn't going to get any scholarship money, uh, was not going to get in-state residency, and didn't want to get into a massive debt to be maybe run down on kickoffs by the time I was a senior, um, <laughs> which would have been a blast, but not not worth like 180 grand or whatever yeah. it would have been. So um, I went to junior college, um, moved back home, ended up at UCLA, and I needed some electives credits to complete my degree. And I didn't want to piece together a bunch of random classes because that felt like a lot of work. And the education studies minor happened to be exactly the number of elective units that wow. I needed <laughs> to graduate. So I'm like, no yeah, way. I like education. I like schools. And um, I'll just take these classes because like, it'll make graduating easier Sure. Uh, while I study history and figure out what I want to do. And in taking those classes at UCLA, I fell <laughs> in love with education uh, and knew that that's what I wanted to do. From there, I moved back home and went to Vanguard University to get my teaching credential, uh, save up some money to try to get to get a ring for my now wife, and that ended up working out. And then I ended up in Christian education kind of by accident. Long story there that I won't go into, but God's hand is in it. And mm-hmm. I ended up at Whittier Christian, worked there for just under 10 years as first a history teacher, and then I was asked to be the education technologist there as they rolled out an iPad program. 
Uh, so I was in charge of rolling that out and mm-hmm. then supporting teachers in that transition. And then through that, the job just kind of kept growing and it became a lot of you know, data and curriculum. And as mm-hmm. I studied technology in the classroom, I realized that it's not about the technology itself. Yeah. It's about how you view education and how you view teaching. Yeah. And um, through all that process, I went back to UCLA, got my admin credential, got my master's in educational leadership. And that's where things really started flowing and decided to apply to be the principal at CVCS in 2020. And uh, here I am today. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fun hearing you say all that. And especially going back to like your definition of what educational technology is. I'm the ed tech here and we've known each other for almost 10 years now, which is wild to think about. And yeah, like we've had that conversation so many times. It's fun to fun to share that. In each of the previous interviews, I've asked this question. This is a specific question developed by some of my students who got to see uh, what we were doing and you know provide input on these questions. I've asked each of the others so far, what is your idea of a perfect school? Or how would you define what a perfect school looks like? What would you say to that? I know it's a wild question, but... Yeah. At its heart, I think a school is a learning organization for every single participant in the school community. Mm -hmm. Um, For me as a principal, it goes to the academic side of things. But the more I get into school is realizing how much the facilities team and the front desk and the kitchen staff and all that, like we're all learners together. And that's a really unique thing about CVCS, I think, is that everybody here is committed to learning. And when you are a learning organization, then the students follow suit and everybody learns along with you. So I think first and foremost, it's a learning organization. And that's, I I cannot believe specifically with the high school teachers, I'm I'm privileged to work with Mm -hmm. how much they are committed to learning and improving their practice and being learners and bringing that to their students. Um, It's fantastic to see. So first and foremost, it's a learning organization. Now, what does learning mean? I think you have to have a really precise definition of what that is. Now, that is a James Walker question. (laughs) Here, here, what I love, the humanities team has has used language of uh, learning to live and love like Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, learning to love what is good and beautiful and true, uh, and learning what it is to be fully human, which yeah. are all fully loaded statements. And we're still trying to figure out, like, <laughs> yeah, we are. Right, what are the taglines <laughs> that we're going for here? Because we're shooting for the moon. Yes. Um, but learning, to me, to boil all of that down, learning is, in its very nature, sanctification. Mm. It's becoming more like Jesus. It's discovering God in all things and the beauty of God mm. in everything. So that even learning Algebra 1, the most simple, basic things is learning about the beauty of God Mm -hmm. and learning more about God. And I think that's something that's difficult for most students to grasp. And if there's a parent listening to this, they're probably even rolling their eyes right now um, (laughs) because we tend to take pride in like not being a math person uh, as adults. That happens (laughs) a lot. So a lot of people will probably have some math trauma and they're like, nah, algebra one, no. But it's true. And we view it to be that way. So that's that's the second part. So one, learning community. Yes. Um, Two, is uh, learning is part of becoming more like Jesus and Mm -hmm. experiencing and seeing more of God in all things. Yeah. Um, And then three is that gives birth to, um, I think, learning in the classroom is one thing. Mm -hmm. And like acquiring knowledge, sure, but it's more about that that character development piece, the virtue piece, the learning to become more like Jesus piece, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's stuck in the classroom. Sure. And what I think a school that is perfect 
would do well is take what's in the classroom and give students a launching point yeah. to things that are visible and things that make a difference in the world today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about students being the future of the world, but what stops students from being the present of the world? Sure. So let's do that and let's have students who impact and lead in this community at the school, but then also the community in our city and our neighborhoods in different ways uh, that are there. And then the work that they do uh, yeah. The things that they're learning are presented in a meaningful way that are visible to other people so that yeah. our students and their learning and their growth becomes a resource to the world today. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the the beautiful things about schools mm-hmm. um, that I also don't want to ignore is the extracurricular thing. Sure. Uh, and that's where some of the most real learning experiences happen because yep. the sports that you're playing, the games that you're playing, the shows that you're putting on when you're in performing arts, the, the concerts yeah. and the plays – the art that's displayed in the hallway, those are all resources for the community and mm-hmm. it's real world learning experiences. That's they're right. participating in something and they're learning and it's visible. Um, so that's kind that's of a, a, great, a big yeah. picture of all of it. So just to, yeah. I guess, kind of recap, if you can help me out with this too, let's see if I can do it. It's a okay. challenge. Yeah, can see. I trace my own thinking? <laughs> Probably not. Do you not. know what you think a perfect school is? <laughs> <laughs> um, one, it's a learning organization. Yeah. Two, it's learning to become more like Jesus and Mm -hmm. becoming more like Jesus through the learning process. Three, it's being a resource now Mm -hmm. to the community, to the world with visible learning. Yeah. It's cool hearing you list the ideas of things that are part of a perfect school. Uh, And here, as I'm hearing you say that, being able to actually recognize pieces of that around CVCS, like literally today. And, you know, you can speak to that if you want to, but there are, you know, parts of that ideal that we have that are being worked on at this very moment, you know, and that we're seeing pay off in in some ways. If there's anything you want to add to that or show off or anything like that, feel free. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of what schooling is lives in the the realm of what I call fake fake, Mm -hmm. where it's you learn something and then it stops in the classroom. Mm. Right. Like that's the end of it. And you come up with these hypothetical problems to solve, but it's not a real problem. It's like almost like a thought puzzle or whatever it might be. So then a lot of schools and a lot of educators like we recognize this. And this was where I lived as an educator is in the realm of fake real. Sure. Where it's, hey, imagine that you were President John F. Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. And what would you have done in that scenario? It's it's realer but uh-huh. it's still fake. Like there's no real missile crisis and I don't sure. want our students to solve missile crises. <laughs> crises. Also true, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's trying to be visible, but it's still based on something that's that's more on the fake realm of things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but then the real real is when you give students real challenges and real opportunities and real problems in the world mm-hmm. and their learning goes to solve those things yeah. or their learning goes to a wider audience to become a resource for them. Yes. Kind of like I talked about earlier. So- I mean, some examples that are out there that we're, we're talking about that we've explored is in the world of science. I know of a school that they do science labs mm-hmm. in partnership with literally NASA, where they send lab specimens into space. <laughs> yeah. And they'll, they'll observe the lab in space, and they observe the lab on Earth, and they compare the two different things, and they learn those things, right? Yeah. It's a real lab. It's dealing with a real problem. Oftentimes, it's questions that the students generate themselves, that they develop the lab, they develop the question, and they yeah. discover the answer to that. They don't know. Uh, like, part of the fake real thing is when you, it's when you're asking questions that you already know the answer to, mm-hmm. and then you get students to get to that point. Sure. Which is good and a helpful exercise, um, but it's not in that real world 
application. It's not like yeah. it's not real, real. It's not making a real impact. It's now. not particularly meaningful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And meaningful is what students make of it. And yeah, can, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a big deal. And that's what motivates students. And where learning becomes addictive. I, I do believe that learning is addictive. Yeah. So, anyways, that those are some of the things that we're yeah. thinking about and talking about and talking to other schools about too. That's part of a core commitment of our entrepreneurship program is that we don't want students to come up with business plans for hypothetical businesses yeah. that they would start. Like we want them actually running student enterprises. Yeah. And that's the thing that we're after here. And it is oftentimes messy sure. and it makes me nervous <laughs> and keeps me up at night sometimes, but it's beautiful. And that's yeah. what we're after. And there's that's where the real beautiful work happens where students are fired up and they're learning at the highest levels. That's right. And that's where I guess what it transitions into the the podcast network here. I was going to say, this yeah. is a, you're setting up the foundation for like the segue into kind of why we're here. Go ahead and yeah. Yeah. And I'm convinced that a lot of the obstacles, when we talk about that moving from fake, fake or fake real mm-hmm. into that real, real application yeah. is creating authentic audiences. Yes. And most of the work that we do in schools, uh, most of the work that I grew up with, it ends when you turn it in. Yeah. The like, teacher is the only audience. The teacher is the only audience. And if you want to go fake real with it, you do create an audience, but it's a captive audience of your classmates that have to sit there yeah. and try not to fall asleep. Uh, and then probably <laughs> fill out like that, you know, you take a couple of notes and you kind of give them some feedback and nobody ever looks at, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> but if it's like, hey, your essay that you are working on, yeah, you're going to turn that in and you're going to get graded for the writing that's there. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to get feedback and we want you to have the best paper that's possible. Maybe there's like a peer review process that goes through that whole thing. But also you are going to be recording a podcast for that, that Mm -hmm. literally anybody in the whole world can listen to at any given time. So the target audience for this is parents and students and classmates and other schools, like the the world. It could be anybody. Yeah, literally. Uh, And I just think of an example of, in the business class last year, the students mm-hmm. made some silly videos and uploaded them to YouTube. And one student <laughs> took it like particularly not serious uh, and uploaded it. And not necessarily in a bad way, but just wasn't putting much thought to it. And for some reason, something in the algorithm clicked. And within 10 minutes, he had like 2,000 views or oh 1,500 goodness. views or something like that. And the student was like, oh, no. <laughs> Like the student was horrified, because uh, not That's because amazing. not because it was terrible, but sure. it was just this realization of like I. Oh, this is like out there. This you is know? out there. Yeah. I I don't want to present myself to two thousand people that way, <laughs> and now like I'm seen that way by two thousand strangers. Sure. Right? And it was this moment of reality, of like oh, wow. Yeah. What we put out there can get seen and listened yes. to and heard. So having that level of when we put stuff out there, like we want to take it seriously That's right. and we want it to be good. And there's a level of motivation and that level of reality that hits mm-hmm. where where real learning experiences happen. Yeah. I almost hate to put like a filter or like a funnel on this conversation, but... Um, but I'm going to. But I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> But like, how does then the podcast network, what part does the podcast network play? You've talked about like the real audience and stuff like that. But how about academically as an assessment option or for a, in a teacher's toolbox or a student's toolbox, anything like that that jumps to mind? Not to sound like a broken record on this. Mm-hmm. For me, the attempt is just to create authentic audiences for our students. Yeah. If nobody listens to it, 
I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I want people to listen to it, <laughs> <course>. sure. But <laughs> I want students to generate meaningful content. Yeah. Right? And when you know that there's an authentic audience that's out there, you're going to take your research a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. You're going to take your peer reviews a little bit more seriously. You're going to take teacher feedback a little bit more seriously. And if you give opportunities for students to be more serious and for their work to be meaningful, we're going to take that all day, every day. So expanding the audience really is the primary driver for me. That's right. Uh, on one side of things. Yeah. Uh, on the second side is the act of producing, creating, editing the podcasts mm-hmm. is being done by students. Yeah. And seeing students increase in that way is a big deal. Communication skills are a big deal. And podcasts are a huge medium for communication at this point. The five-paragraph essay does not have a monopoly on forms of communication. That's right. Um, Authentic communication for our students looks different. Mm -hmm. Academic communication is important in terms of formal writing and the feedback that's there. Of course, yeah. But if we want real communication for our students to take the things that they're learning and express it in meaningful ways, I think podcasting is a perfect medium for that. For sure. Uh, I think I'm very much a millennial uh, <laughs> and, and podcasts are our love language, Yeah. right? <laughs> um, especially not so much anymore. My hour commute each way is gone. That's true. Um, so I miss, much, I miss my podcasts, <laughs> but I'd rather not have an hour long commute That's right, each way. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't think you can underestimate how big of an impact podcasts have had right. on our collective understanding of the world today, particularly I think for, for millennials, but then I, I think for all age sure, groups sure. in particular. So to give students the ability to create and be part of the production and publication of a podcast in itself is a super valuable experience. And when you combine that with authentic student learning experiences in English class and history class and Bible class and science class, when you combine what they're learning in class with an authentic audience and participating in a new communication medium that's meaningful, (laughs) like there's a lot that's happening there. That's That's firing on so many cylinders that are unique that are, to say beneficial is a, an understatement, but l- meaningful. We'll yeah. use the term meaningful. Powerful. Yeah, it's it's unique, it's powerful, it's meaningful. All of those things are now at our disposal with this network here. How would you imagine or hope that teachers specifically, as they're doing their routines, their workflows, lesson planning, et cetera, how do you hope or wish teachers would think about the podcast network as a resource and and utilize it? Yeah, well, one, broken drum again, student-centered and authentic audience-driven. To have teachers think of a wider audience for student work Mm -hmm. is going to change the planning that teachers put into their work. It's true. Like what I desire students to do and learn and know is going to be impacted with what I'm asking them to complete. So this changes how we think about assessment and what the target audience is. And so there's an added level of that. So that impacts the way that teachers think about the work that they're doing in the classroom and what they're asking students to do. So that's on one side. It goes back to the classroom and what they're asking of students. The other part, going back to the learning community and Mm -hmm. the learning organization part. And this is something that I was not expecting to see happen that is happening, is the collaboration of teachers on creating podcasts yes or ideating podcasts yeah um like brewing with jim i did not see that coming um (laughs) just the fact that mr brewington heard about the podcast network and he and i have talked about his his model of mentoring for years and it's been really cool to see his mentor groups and how he relates to students i did not think let's start a podcast network and i'll talk to jim brewington about the questions that he answers (laughs) but he heard about it and says 
huh. I think this would be great. Yeah. Like, I can do this. This is the platform. This that is I the can platform do, you know? for yeah. it. Yeah. And he and Grady Sanchez start collaborating on that together. And within a week and a half, like, it's off and running. It is. Yeah. And it's fantastic. <laughs> and I see the two of them collaborating. I see an American Sign Language teacher who's been in education for years. Decades. Yeah. Decades. And has decades of life experience. And then Grady, who has decade of life experience. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but no, to walk down the halls and to see Grady, who's, you know, just starting a family early in his career, mm-hmm. excited about teaching and learning the ropes of education. That's right. And Jim Brewington, who has learned the ropes and has seen a lot and been through a yeah. lot. The two of them collaborating from math to sign language. Like, what do they have in common for right. collisions to collaborate with each other? And they're coming together in this space to collaborate? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? It's amazing. Um, Fantastic. The fact that the athletics podcast came together and Grady Sanchez says, I want to do it. And he's <laughs> yeah. just owning it and it's running it. And every week it's That's coming right. out. The fact that the high school teachers are talking to each other about podcasts that they want to do together. Yeah. It's contributing to the learning and the professional learning and collaboration of the teaching team itself. It is. And then it's contributing to each teacher being more creative and inspires more collaboration within their students coming yeah. into the podcast studio to record podcasts yeah. as well. And it's it's been fantastic to see, and it's taking on a life yeah. of its own uh, in ways that I had not expected. And then just as an example from my own life, this last Sunday was just... I had, it was a, a rough day for me, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, I just, I needed some time. So I plugged in my AirPods, put on noise canceling mode. Uh, my wife is gracious enough to get the kids out of the house to just to get me some time to have some quiet time mm-hmm. to myself. And in my next up on Spotify, the Junior High Chapel came on. Oh, that's sweet. And uh, Mr. Baldwin gave his chapel message. Yeah. And I was so blessed and encouraged by it. And Aww. it was like, again, I did not expect, hey, let's create a podcast studio and launch some podcast networks and we can record our chapels weekly and I'm going to benefit from that and be ministered to by it. But I was. Yeah. So it's taken on a whole life of its own. Yeah, that's so true. And I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the fact that, like I said earlier, we've been talking about a podcast network for years. Yeah. And we've done so with like kind of a general idea of like what it would be and what it would be for, how it would benefit a school, that kind of thing. And the reality is now we're a couple months into this and those sort of effects of it are way bigger and way more diverse than what we had initially thought. Like what you mentioned about, just as an example, I know other levels are doing similar stuff, but just with the high school teachers collaborating and developing their own podcast ideas. And they just come to me and they're like, I want to do a show about this. Like, can we just do it? I'm like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That has been probably the biggest unforeseen Mm -hmm. like effect of this and borderline might be one of the most powerful yeah if not the most powerful for like this is an organization like you said a learning organization being an element of a perfect school i remember talking with mr michael finley our business teacher uh yesterday about this and talking about how we have professionally from admin requirements that we call a professional growth profile which is annually every single teacher a little bit of a research cycle where you test something out and you you well first you build kind of an emphasis for improvement you test something out you measure how it goes and you kind of reflect on it and there's more steps to it mm-hmm. but Finley and I were talking about how dang just like 
doing the kind of podcasts that they are talking about, not necessarily brewing with Jim, although that, that does have a benefit, but they're talking about having podcasts where they get a couple teachers in a room and they all debrief their teaching practices mm-hmm. and they they agree to try something new or they dive into the history of a given practice or something like that. That is like... I was, the, the joke I made with Finley was like, this probably alone satisfies the PGP, the professional growth profile, yeah. in some respect. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's just funny to think, again, how uh, it's an unforeseen benefit of the podcast network from the point where we created it, but how quickly and significantly it's having these these effects on on so many people here. That's been the coolest part of, of doing this so far. Yeah. And I think that's after two years of planting seeds and building collaboration yeah. and a community in the faculty of that is of, absolutely true of this. And it creates this space was created at just the right time to capture that momentum and that energy. Yeah. And as teachers model that, yeah, as teachers build that, they're they're kind of on the bleeding edge of things, <laughs> yeah. and then the students catch up. Yes. And we're seeing where teachers were a year and a half ago in the way that they're collaborating and thinking about their practice. I think we're starting to see students do that in mm-hmm. their the way that they approach learning and the attitude yeah. that they bring to the classroom. And I think that as time goes on, when you talk about what a powerful experience it is for the teachers, yeah. right now that is the most powerful thing. I'm also pretty convinced that we're two years away from that just catching fire yes. <laughs> in the high school <laughs> yeah. amongst the students to, uh, and being in a space where we're going to need like multiple recording studios because I've already thought like that thought has already crossed my mind. This has been double booked before already. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Two months into the school year. Yeah. And it's cool just to just to give a shout out, I guess, to our teachers, too, while we're here. We already are doing that. But just to name it like everything that we've just talked about, about how the teachers are running with it and it could be a part of growth profiles and stuff like that, like that takes the teachers being amazing. And we have that here. The fact that we have people that seek to improve their practice and that are genuinely interested in these ideas and in each other is a prerequisite to that ever happening. And we have that. Yeah. And coming in here and having teachers who are, you know, literally 40 (laughs) years of experience. Sure. You know, Mr. Easter, shout out. I cannot find a student in our records that has never passed AP Calculus under his watch. Crazy. And two yeah. years ago, every student who took his class got a perfect five on the AP Calculus exam, <laughs> which students just, the, the pass rate for AP Calculus isn't even 50%. And every single one of his students got a perfect score. And he's coming to me with ideas for change and asking <laughs> questions on to how can I improve my practice. Yeah. Uh, to which I say, I. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what, what can I offer <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> um, and what I can offer is a set of eyes and yeah. taking his questions and his expertise to come into the room and ask questions. And I think everybody has a posture of asking questions, yeah. of asking for help, of looking at things. I think the, the COVID year plus of just remote learning, hybrid learning, all that stuff forced teachers to ask some questions. And coming out of that, like just the heartbeat of the teachers that have been here for a long time. And the teachers who came in here and me and all of those things and just the interaction of that, the way that that has caught fire in terms Mm -hmm. of a school that has a rich academic history of excellent teachers 
who come in to work every day saying, how can I improve? Yeah. And then new teachers who are coming in saying, how can I improve? And here are some ideas that I've seen and encountered in other places. And me as a principal who's just trying to capture all this energy <laughs> and channel it in the right <laughs> <Yeah>. directions. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty incredible. And you can see God's handiwork in it throughout. Yeah, that's awesome. Last big topic is just for students. What are your hopes if they hear about the podcast network? What do you hope they think about it? How do you hope that they end up using it, even maybe outside of assignments? And uh, kind of a funny question I've I've thrown around these interviews a bit is if Mr. Walker is in high school and you hear that your school has a podcast network, what is what is 16-year-old James Walker thinking? <laughs> 16-year-old James Walker is probably starting a college football podcast, mm-hmm. right? I get a lot um, of those. <laughs> what's that? The other day was Eagle for a Day, and you'll hear the trailers for shows that visiting junior hires uh, elsewhere on the feed, you can find them. The challenge was develop an idea for a podcast, develop a trailer for it, and come in and record it. And um, (laughs) I don't know the total number of recordings we got, probably close to about 20. And like, 10 of them are sports podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm referring to. Yeah. yeah. And that probably matches, I would imagine that like 50% of podcasts in the podcast <laughs> sure. sphere are sports related, I'm sure. Sure. Um, that's an exaggeration. But um, yeah, I probably would have started a college football podcast. But what I would have loved is, let's say 16-year-old James Walker is at CVCS today and says, I want to start a college football podcast. Yeah. To have somebody sit down and say, what would make your podcast unique? Yeah. Like what would be interesting about it? There's one college football podcast I heard about where it's a group of guys who went to like Southwestern Missouri State or something. And I forget what <laughs> conference they're in, sure. but they have a name for like all these small school football programs and they focus on that and they found this niche market for that. Yeah. And they just talk about these like random college football teams that are, are never going to be in the playoffs and might be in the small bowl game one day. Sure. And it's just, they're passionate about it. They have fun. There's a it's passionate amazing. audience for it. So like, you know, if there's somebody who says, hey, let's let's look at an interesting angle on this thing. Yes. I think that would be fun. And to see students who speak from their perspective on things that they're interested about and speak passionately and in an informed way about those things, that would be my dream to see. Absolutely. And in terms of things being authentic, what I would like to see is we have our student paper, The Beacon. I want them doing real news stories. Sure. Yeah, I want them doing real stories about what's happening at our school. And I want there to be extensions of that on the podcast network. And that was the first thing that Sprout Anastasia, who's been on a couple of yeah, of She's always on here. our chapel, especially the high school chapels. That's right. She always does the interview at the end. And then she yeah. was just on the athletics one. And I mm-hmm. feel like she was in another one too, but yeah. um, which is not surprising. But the first thing she said when she heard about the podcast network is, we need to put QR codes in the beacon and have extensions on that. Love it. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So for students to hear, there's a podcast network. I'm passionate about this thing in my life. Silly as it may be, there's a space for it. And there's adults who can support them in that to say, hey, let's talk about this in a meaningful, unique, and creative way. Let's find, if you if it's something that's silly, let's find some things to read to add some legitimacy to it so people would want to listen to you. That's like, right. Um, that's kind of my dream for, for what it would be for students. And right now, I think the starting spot of it being uh, extensions of in-class work, I think that's beautiful. It's a good I think starting that's great. Point, yeah. I think that's authentic. But once students start to come up with ideas on their own yeah. of things that they want to learn about, things that they want to research, and then share their expertise on something that's not classroom related, I think is when things are really going to be 
firing right. on all cylinders. I don't like that as a metaphor. Sure. Um, that's the metaphor I used earlier. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, that, that's why I didn't want to use it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I thought you meant like you didn't like when I used it. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, when students are well-educated and sharing their learning and thinking of their own ideas independently, I think that's when we really know like we have made it as a podcast network. Yeah. And maybe we never get to that point. Sure. But that's what I, I dream about in my my naivete. Yeah, perhaps. I love that. I love that. Last question for you. This is what I always end off with in these interviews. For me, as the director of the podcast network, are there any questions you have for me? And kind of adding on to that, would you like charge me with anything? Like, would you charge me to do XYZ with the network for the benefit of you and your teachers, students? Yeah, I don't think I have any real questions. Uh, we've worked pretty That's closely true. on we've this. We've talked about yeah. this for a long time. <laughs> it's fair. Uh, I think all of my questions are like, is this actually going to work? Like that's been <laughs> been answered. They would be like, is this actually sustainable? How are you going to sustain sure. this? Yeah. Uh, which I guess would be, what would I charge you with? And it's they're both closely related because one of the things that I'm committed to as a principal is that anything good that I bring, I don't want it to leave with me. Like I want hmm. it to become part of the institution so that one day I'm not yeah. going to be here. Hopefully it's not for a really long time. Sure. But when I leave, I want the good things that we're doing now to continue mm-hmm. and the things that aren't great to be built That's upon right. by somebody who comes in with more expertise than That's me. Right. I would hate to see, you know, you're not going to be here forever. Sure. And I would hate to see CVCS get some momentum and then, um, you know, you leave sure. or get hit by a bus um, Jeez. <laughs> or get fired. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> um, is this you telling me that I'm fired? Or yes. <laughs> yeah. No better, no this better way like to tell at you. At the end of a 40 minute interview. <laughs> James, why are you taking such copious notes about how to make yeah. this sustainable? <laughs> um, you know, you're not going to work at CVCS forever. Yeah. And I would hate to see the podcast network be, Joseph Jasper. Yes. And only Joseph. So how can you plan this and build this out in such a way that it's going to sustain itself long after you're gone? Absolutely. So that in 2050, the CVCS Podcast Network is beautiful. Yeah. And uh, let's see, 2050, could you still be here in 20? Sure. Theoretically. I don't know what year it is. I'm not old. (laughs) In 2070. Don Easter will um, still be here in 2050. So... (laughs) But one day when you're no longer here, sure. you can look and say, oh, I was part of starting that and look at what's going on right. right now. And it's fantastic. And maybe it's not a podcast medium anymore, but it was started here and it yeah. sustained itself and it grows. I love that. Uh, and then the other thing that I would charge you with and I'm charging all of our teachers with as we look at the real, real thing. Mm-hmm. When we're a school, it's not real, real unless it's student owned. Yeah. Uh, so as much as we can have students doing the work and building this thing, that's that's better. Absolutely. Even if there's a dip in the quality of what we're doing, if it's students who are doing it, then that's a huge win. You know, the the guy who started our worship team a couple years ago, Ryan Kirkland, described an uh, upside-down bell curve. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to be really hands-on up front, and it's going to be good, and yeah. there's going to be students involved, and I'm going to give them more, and we're going to see a pretty significant drop. Yeah. And then they're going to do that for a while, and then we'll see it increase again before it levels out. Perfect analogy. Perfect analogy, yeah. yeah. And I would say, I think that's what we want to see here at the Podcast Network. We're getting yeah. it started now as much as we can hand over to students over time and create a system for sustainability yeah. with you not being here, not being around, um, yeah. the better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Not that I feel the need to have to answer this 
right now, but obviously the truth is the answer is is a long answer for how do we keep this sustainable. It needs many hands. It needs many people invested in working on it, like all together. And that is the goal. That is the plan. And that's going to take time. But that is ultimately what will make this podcast network successful is not me, Joseph Jasper, by myself, but this being a community thing that just as teachers are invested in the ideas of creating podcasts, students are invested and in maybe in some cases teachers, but I see it more being students invested in the production editing. Da, 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 da. So I couldn't agree with you more. That's that's a charge, actually, that I've, the previous people that have talked to me in these interviews have said the same thing. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me today, Mr. Walker. This has been fun. This has been really informative and a good insight into where your mind is at for the high school as a whole, but particularly with the podcast network. I'll give you the final word if there's anything you want to sign off with or just say to the audience. No, it's been a great time. Thank you for all your work again, Joseph. And uh, I look forward to seeing where this all heads in the coming weeks, months, years, etc. Yeah. Thank you very much. Take care. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.